The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Silver Bells Murders, the unofficial American Gothic internet radio show exclusively on poppychuloradio.com. Poppychulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Friday, July 15th, and I am your host, Mike. And during tonight's broadcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of CBS American Gothic. Please welcome my co host, Jess. Hey guys, what's going on? Good to have you. Sam Hoover. Hello, listeners. Welcome, welcome. And last but surely not least, Poppy Chulo. When did you become so middle class? <laughs> I just can't. So let's jump into our recap of season one, episode four, titled Christina's World and aired on July 13th, 2016. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. A death on the Hawthorne property gives Detective Brady a solid lead on the Silver Bells Killer, or SBK for short. Also, Garrett gives in to the temptation and pursues Christina Morales, the daughter of the first SBK victim, and Allison finds an unlikely ally to help fend off a lawsuit that could derail her campaign. Before Mike leads us into the initial reactions for the episode, let's discuss the ratings. Ratings for American Gothic ticked down a bit. Uh, it was viewed by 2.8 million total viewers with a 0.5 in the demo. So, what was everyone's initial reaction to this episode? I'm going to start it off with Poppy. Well, I'm officially subtitling this episode the sex episode because it seemed as if everybody was getting some nookie nookie except for maybe our homegirl phyllis but she's got some batteries and something else next to her in her, in her nightstand so maybe she's still got some but of course the sex episode would be an episode i loved I, I thought it was another great episode it seems as if each episode keeps building up to a dramatic crescendo and i love the cliffhanger cliffhangers and I was here for it, so I enjoyed the episode thoroughly. But I will say I, I missed uh, our favorite homeboy, Jack. No, he can, he can go away. It's it's he, fine. He can die. He was dissecting he humans die. at space at space camp or science camp, whatever the hell it was. Ew. <laughs> On that Stop note, it. Jess, what about you? This episode was a mixed bag for me. I'm not bag. really sure that I enjoyed it, to be honest with you. Oh, <gasps> Ooh, damn. Yes. Okay. Hopefully we'll go ahead and maybe get a little bit more into as to maybe why you feel that way. And Sam, what about you? This is the first episode that made me question every single person 
on the show. The first episode was like, oh yeah, they're a perfect family. And now it's just like, it's like there was a full moon. Although I have to say I'm standing firm on my killer prediction, which I will get into much later. But yeah, I'm really suspicious of every single person. Mm, okay. For me, I actually kind of like the overall episode. Uh, do, did I miss Jack? No. I'm, I'm kind of okay with him not being there. Not so much uh, him, you know messing up you know the show it's just she's just a creepy little kid like holy crap i, I can <laughs> definitely could definitely do away with him and i'd be okay so but overall it kind of did give me uh a sense of doubt as to who i feel might be the the killer now and uh mm-hmm. we'll go into a little bit more but just a, uh, a quick reminder for it was just that it really showcases that everybody has different personalities with them that they're not all whole complete that they have another side to them so hopefully we'll go ahead and speak about that later on but before we get into a thorough recap here are a few reminders on how you can interact with the show via social media follow the show on tumblr at the silverbellsmurders.tumblr.com follow the station on social media we're on twitter facebook instagram and Tumblr at Poppy Chula Radio. You can help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting GoFundMe.com slash Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or maybe even concerns? Email us via contact at PoppyChulaRadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or maybe a blog contributor like Jess or like me? Email talent at PoppyChulaRadio.com. You can binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. And search for The Silver Bells Murders through iTunes and hit the subscribe button. New episodes are available to download on Fridays throughout the entire summer. With that being said, let's go ahead and dive into the episode. So the opening episode kind of really went in there. <laughs> oh, I, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> kind of really, you know, they really just went for it and they really did showcase that this particular episode had a little bit more touchy subjects. So for them starting off that way, I think it I felt like it was good because of what we saw from the previous episode. So I felt like it was just a continuation for it. It was more like to showcase, oh, you know, they have something. There's a connection, you know, between the two ladies. Let's be honest. Let's be honest, it was a really true contact with each other. But Allison gets a phone call from her mother, and the phone call is just related towards what happened from the previous episode. Mm -hmm. So when they go ahead and investigate that, oh, that it was just that Gunther had committed suicide, and uh, there's a lot of police cars, detectives are there, Brady's there, and they notice that there was a sign there that says, I'm sorry. And they just posted up saying, well their main thought process as well maybe he was the silver bells killer and he wrote the note and said i'm sorry and that he was basically he took the easy way around poppy do you think the detectives do you think they were right to go ahead and immediately think that gunther had committed suicide or if you were a detective would you have already believed would you have thought that as well I think so because of the evidence. So I, I think that's probably like the the initial theory. But uh, 
I would have certainly done a little bit more investigation, which, uh, which I, I think it was needed, especially because this is the SBK, the Silver Bells Killer. So you have to make sure, you know, all the T's are crossed, the I's are dotted and everything just to make sure it's 100% true. But just from the initial setup of everything, if I was a detective there, I would have been like, okay, we caught SBK, the belt, and all this kind of stuff. Like, you can kind of, like, finagle the evidence that you have to sort of like fit that narrative which can be dangerous because you know once you set the narrative you know and and it goes out there then it's kind of hard to like walk it back so fortunately the press wasn't there and since you didn't ask me about the other thing i'll say i approved (laughs) of the muff diving uh listeners if you don't know what that is uh urbandictionary.com jess or sam do you guys want to jump in when they said it was, oh, we have the killer now, that is way too easy. There's nine more episodes. I will keep counting down until it's not yeah. relevant Well, they anymore. don't know that, but we know that. So, obviously, you know, they're not going to find the killer right now. Jess will call up Phyllis later and fill her in. We started a book yeah. club. It's about Cat. Going back to Gunther, I know he seemed a little bit off, but he didn't seem sinister. He just seemed dark. There's, like, a fine line, and I don't think he crossed it. That note made me suspicious. Like, who put that there? Was it him or was it somebody else? I'm sorry, I killed Gunther. And maybe other people. Detective Cutter said, what if someone set Gunther up? What if this wasn't a suicide? I know Gunther was probably in their family for like 20 plus years. He's been around. He knows a lot about the family, but he wouldn't. I don't think he's killing anyone. And now he's dead. So it was a good opening scene, but I was never suspicious of Gunther in the first place. Moving on a little bit further, because oh, Phyllis, she she's really just that annoying neighbor. No, she's in. our spirit animal. Oh, God, no. She can be y'all's spirit animal. So this cat lady, Phyllis, comes in and starts throwing a little miniature tantrum and basically states, well, oh, so, you know, the Hawthorns get so many cop cars come here and uh, somebody committed suicide, and she tries comparing uh, Gunther committing suicide from what it looks like at the scene to her cat. Oh, like, this woman, and I know these type of people in real life, so it's like I'm literally reliving these scenes in my head, and I'm just like, I can't. I, I just can't. Like, how... Mike is the Phyllis of his neighborhood. Yeah, right. So I'm like, no, lady, you you need to stop. And then moving forward, we get a little interesting little turn of events that happened with Madeline, Allison, and Tess. They actually go ahead and talk about the fact that, well, you know, Gunther committed suicide and the fact that they go ahead and make a little discussion about, well, you know, maybe they should tell about the silver bells that it was there in the storage that maybe it could have been Gunther's or whatever. So Tessa states that she wants to tell Brady. She wants to tell him about that. And both Allison and Madeline say, no, you know, you know, how do we know he's not with us with the family? You see this little miniature confrontation of an conflict of interest where one side says, no, you shouldn't say anything. And the other party, Tessa, obviously says, you know, what? I want to tell him about it. Jess, if you were Tessa, do you think you would have said something 
you would have mentioned it to Brady? Or do you feel like Madeline and Allison were right to say, you know what, you, we have to keep this information on the down low. Can't say anything. Honestly, I would have said something. You would have. Yeah, I'm horrible at keeping secrets. Can't do yeah. it. Don't ask me to, like, hold in a surprise party for someone because I can't do it. Plus, but if also... Brady's giving you the good good... Exactly. Thank you. I don't think my mother and sister can do that, nor would I want oh them my to. Gosh. I'm just sipping on tea. <laughs> I'll be here all week. I I would have told I personally believe that Okay, that family is fucked up. I yeah, feel all like kinds Brady, of bad shit yeah, Brady is Tess's chance to get out, and I feel like having a spouse is like a like, you're still all connected, you're still all family, but your spouse or your significant or what other or whatever, like, it's a different kind of family. And so she owes it to Brady to be able to confide in him and tell him about her fears and stuff like that. If she really thought that her family wasn't guilty, if she thought that there was nothing to worry about, I do believe that she would have told him. But because I think that she's not sure deep down, like... I think maybe she has some repressed memories or something, or she's just not being honest with herself. Like, I think that's the reason that she's not opening up, because she has a reasonable doubt that, in fact, there is something wrong here in this situation. Because it is wrong to obstruct not only an officer of the law from finding out this relevant information, but your husband, like... If I were married to someone and their family was like nine kinds of bat shit crazy, I would want to know so that I could like take my ovaries and go home. Like I don't want to hang out with this family anymore. They're just wrong. So in your own perspective, you feel that Tessa was going off of the idea that, well, maybe somebody in her family may have committed these atrocities. So she wanted to essentially protect them to make sure I hope that's what it is I hope honestly I hope that it's just her trying to do the right thing and protect the people that she loves instead of a more sinister motive like I I like Tessa so I don't want to consider the alternatives I can see where you're going what about Sam any thoughts about that when Allison and Madeline said oh no 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 you can't tell him it just seemed like they teamed up on her and went against her. And that is not something that a mother and daughter should do to their daughter slash sibling. And Tessa knows more than Brady does. And that could help him exonerate their family faster. But she's not having it. Or none of them really are. And it's like that's kind of evident that there is something that they need to hide. Maybe they're not really clear. So it pretty much brought up your suspicion level about those people. Okay. Moving on to the next scene, we see we're introduced into the scene, Sophie and Cam having the little discussion about, you know, oh, you know, the SBK killer, in quotations, you know, has been found and he was killed. And Cam says, you know, he makes a point about uh, Gunther, you know, being this this, this chaperone when they went on to field school field trips and stuff. And he makes... He brings up little little anecdotes about him, and you kind of see, like, I guess you could say a soft side of Cam about saying, you know, you know, no way that Gunther could be 
the SBK killer. And he says, you know, oh, well, how do you want... And he tells... Uh, and him and Sophie decide to say, you know what? Okay, well, how are we going to celebrate, you know, me not being the SBK killer or even the individual that is a suspect for it? So they decide to go on a drug trip and... Uh, they go, they get, they get a little intense and they kind of, you know, go ham and everything. And from that perspective, Jess, do you feel that when Cam was bringing up the anecdotes, he was talking about Gunther the way he is, do you feel like for maybe for you specifically, that it kind of, if you had any suspicions of Cam, do you feel like it may have lowered your suspicions of him? Just the simple fact that he brought up, you know, good memories from what he remembers about Gunther, or do you feel like it felt like more of a little bit of a ruse or something to throw the audience off? I'm not really sure what that was. I, I didn't think of it in the context that, like, oh, Cam is sharing good memories of Gunther. Like, obviously, he must kind of be a, a good person. Like, for me, Cam isn't a great character. He's kind of stereotypical, but also... He's at his worst when he's with Sophie. Like, I absolutely... I don't know if that is a testament to how great the actor's chemistry is, but I absolutely cannot stand Cam and Sophie when they're in the same scenes together. Like, Sophie on her own is bad enough. Cam on his own is like a pile of jello trying to wobble around and do things and be productive and failing miserably. And... But when they're together, it's just like, oh god, please stop. Stop, 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 don't. So, like, I don't know if I'm convinced of anyone's innocence in the quest to find the killer. However, I'm not convinced of Cam's innocence in other areas of his life. We know that he is shady as shit. Do I feel bad for him? Absolutely. But the first thing he can do is lose his ball and chain, because that baby mama is not like your average baby mama. She is like algae growing at the bottom of your pool and just ruining the experience for everyone. So you feel like she's the catalyst to Cam being destructive, being not the best person that he could be? I feel like she's an enabler, so she may not be the catalyst for all of his behavior, but she certainly allows him to get away with part. it. Exactly. Like if he okay. was, if half of this stuff happened under his parents' roof, like I'm pretty sure by now his mom would have caught him and like just scared the shit out of him. Cause his mom is scary. I would not want to cross her. I would not want to say hi to her on the street. She's just got <laughs> a really good or really bad case of rusting bitch face. And, like, I feel like Cam needs a little bit more of that in his life right now. As, as of right now, I'm not convinced one way or the other of whether he is the killer or not. However, we do know that he has a troubled past, much like Jack's, except Jack seems to be way, way worse okay i can definitely see where you're going i definitely i definitely agree that with when it comes to sophie she's just really honestly just not good for cam at all mind you cam has already had troubles on his own but throwing in sophie in the mix kind of just amplifies that to a much higher degree 
that anyone could probably deal with. And then jumping on to the next scene, we kind of well, see that... Before we move on, can we all just agree that this was, out of all of the sex scenes, like the least sexiest one? Yes. I agree. The one with Cam and Sophie? It was gross. I think I threw up a little bit in my mouth, tasted the bile, soaked around in between my teeth for a while. That is very descriptive. It sounds like something Jack would say. Stop it. Yeah, seriously. He can go play on a bridge, on a bridge above a a river that's rushing terribly with sharp rocks on the bottom of it, and someone can push him off, and it'll be fine. He's little. It won't take that much of a push. Mind you, Jess is talking about pushing a little child. He's a psychopath, Mike. He's not a real child. He's not a real child. Oh, this Jess, uh, podcast be... will be used as evidence. I'm, I'm trying to imagine Jess being like a babysitter for like a psychotic little child, like not even 10, 20 minutes over it. Oh, the child's not here. He's gone. He or she. And Jess loses her dentures. Actually, this is hearsay. This is not in the episode. We are just outsiders. It probably is not admissible in court. Well, there you go. Uh, Just lose her dentures. We're off the hook. Go to Judge Judy. Go to small claims court. They'll get you your dentures back. You'll get some money. Do you think Judge Judy would give me an autograph? Maybe. Awesome. But if she pees on you, don't tell her it's raining. Why would she pee on me? That's the name of her book. Oh, I was like, I'm not into that. I don't know what you've heard. Speaking of surprises... We see Brady making breakfast for, you know, for Tess, you know, kind of wanted to break the ice from their little tension that they had, you know, him, you know, taking the DNA, even, you know, try, he's trying to make amends for the really probably not the wise decision that he made on when it came to that and he says you know i just you know the silver bells killer has been caught you know i want to hopefully we can both you know move past this and you know from now on i'm gonna we're gonna be completely honest 100 percent, no more secrets and then you kind of just see Tessa like uh-huh. sure why not and she just simply answers you know i need to leave poppy if Let's just say if you were Tess. Let's say you you were hurt. If Brady had told you that, would you have come clean? And would you have brought it up? Or would you have kept it a secret? Well, first off, I would have eaten that bacon. Because it looked really good. Yeah, it actually looked pretty good. And second of all, if I was Tess, and, and I would be Tess as a normal human being who has a conscience and who cares about uh, her husband... I would have said something like I I don't understand the secrecy because if we've learned anything from daytime dramas is the fact that the truth will always come out no matter what. So, you know, it's it's just like the deception and like the look on her face. And like if, if I were Brady and I would have been like looking at her as I'm saying all this and I would have noticed that because a detective would have noticed that. 
And or I he could be just like, blinded by the beauty of her. You never know. Well, that too. But I, I, I would have, I would have been like, something's going on here because she looked hella suspicious once he was like, you know, we need to, t- you know, forget about the past. You know, I apologize. You know, we have to, to tell each other the truth. We're a couple. We got to do the truth. And then she was you like, mm. she was like, um, we'll talk about that later. I'll think about everything you just said. Bye bye. I'm like, I'm trying to root for you, Tessa. You're making you need it to like, much harder. Exactly. I was like, just tell him something. Because you can tell. And I don't know why she can't see it. Because I can see it in his acting. You know, I can tell that he would go to bat for her and like her family. Like he's trying to like not make this into a big thing. He's trying to help them out. And I don't understand why she can't see that he's trying to do that. Like she's pitting him almost as like the enemy like oh he's you know he's trying to take us down you know he's you know it's his job and he's gonna take us all down and like i don't see that in him so uh, it makes me sad that she sees that in him so much so that she can't trust him and uh relationships break because of the lack of trust do you feel like and this is open to pretty much anybody here but do you feel like it's not so much her thinking that way it's the outside influence that was brought onto her thinking about brady could potentially try to sabotage the family's reputation yes, do you the feel two like rockers got in her face right so do you so do you think it was it's more of tessa's nature or her personality kicking in and deciding to be calling and, and nurturing towards her family or do you think it was I actually so. more of an influence she's kind of a pushover she seems to be like the really nice timid daughter slash sister and she was just easily manipulated by her mom and her sister like they are alphas and she's not and they got all up in her face and they're like you need to do this because he's gonna take us all down so you need to be quiet and you can't share anything with your husband and that's why they were both being uh, mother and daughter are, are and were in unhealthy romantic relationships that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day yes it is going on to little interesting scenes conversation however you want to put it we kind of move forward and we see madeline come in uh with naomi and with allison just, you know, they were in Allison's, you know, office, I guess you can say. And they were chit-chatting, and Malin says, you know, I need to speak to you. So, okay. So we move forward a little bit, and, Mal- and Madeline brings up something that's kind of important. And one of the things that she brings up is about the news saying that the individual that got injured in the bridge collapse who lost her, her limb, she lost her leg, is deciding to sue pretty much everyone and everything that is a part of the bridge and it includes the hawthorns it's their uh cement company thingy however you want to call it so concrete there we go concrete so they decide to come up with a plan of action and malin says you know you need to go ahead and remove this lawsuit before it pretty much blows up in your face and pretty much destroys your chances of becoming mayor and it's going to just hurt you you know politically big time does anybody feel like you kind of see madeline taking this situation and she calmly just says 
No, you need to take care of it. Does it bring up the idea that she, or further the notion that she's very manipulative, that she yes. has it to a point, yes. that she knows, she knows exactly how to handle very hard situations, and she feels, and it showcases her intelligence on how to articulate and find out which is the best solution to take. My spidey senses are tingling, but I feel like someone agrees with you. Sam, you have the floor. Speak away. Oh my goodness. Gunther was hanging by a wire and she was like, oh, that's alarming. And moves on. Oh Oh my gosh. Like, he's dead and it looks like he killed himself. If that was me, I would be Tessa. Although Tessa quickly recovered from it as well. So that was kind of weird. She was kind of Mm -hmm. stark. But Madeline is able to problem solve a lot faster than normal people which means she's insane she always has that stern expression on her face and then she's able to like lighten up there's a scene later on where tessa and her are sitting at the stairs and are like laughing and having a good time and i'm like oh she's actually like a sweetheart at some points like that's kind of odd but yeah it furthers my notions that she is manipulative and she has so much to hide the further we get into this series and this family the more I seem to think that it's all her and she's like playing God and Cam do this, Garrett do this, Allison do this, Tessa do this, Mitch shut the hell up, you know? Oh my gosh. That's, well, I mean, she killed him. That seems like... Well, the, yeah, I guess. That, like in the Wizard of Oz, she's the wizard behind the... She's the lady behind the, behind the curtain. Yeah. She's orchestrating all of this and it's like, she's the one to watch. She's going to mess up at some point. So I'm waiting we move on to this next scene and pretty much it just goes right after Madeline and Allison talk about the predicament that they have as opposed to somebody wanting to file a lawsuit on pretty much everybody that was involved with the collapse of the section of the highway so as we move forward we see Allison and her husband go and try to speak with the woman they kind of just want to talk and see if maybe they can speak come up with some sort of agreement have some sort of settlement you know something where both parties can be happy of the situation that pretty much escalated into a lawsuit on one party and we notice that this little interaction that they have is doesn't go the way allison planned it to be immediately you can see shots are being fired from both ends and you see how uh, Allison's husband is saying, you know what? Bottom line is, I'll give you 200000 because at first I really just didn't want to give you anything. I'll give you 200000 and that's it to, for compensation. We see Allison immediately show, you know, sympathy and saying, wait, well, that's not what we agreed on. We actually agreed on at a higher amount. We agreed at 500000 and she makes a point to say, you know what? I'll double it. I'll put it at a million. We'll go ahead and settle for a million and you know, if you drop the charges. And we see that this woman says, you know what, you really think, you know, I can, you know, she's clapping and you can see her with her sass saying, wow, cannot believe this drama is happening right in front of my eyes. And she gives them a really bad ultimatum for them, which is you either give me 15 million or you give me my my foot back, my leg back. And, you know, she kind of just makes a point to say, you know, no, it's going to go to court. 
regardless of what you decide or what you want in your interest, it's going to go to court. In that scenario, we see sympathy from Allison. We see that she actually has this, you know, caring side that she already had a plan in. But do you guys feel like it also showed a little sense of manipulation on her end? Because she kind of already went in with a plan. She kind of already knew set in stone how she wanted to execute the plan and she was willing to go to such great lengths to even increase the amount she was willing to pay or do you guys feel like no it's not really an indicator of another side of allison it's just part of who she is or it was a ruse or what did you guys think i feel like she was playing off of tom because tom was kind of forcing the conversation like two hundred thousand, or you walk Ironically, because she doesn't really have a foot to walk on well, she, anymore. She can walk on one leg, but... Okay. Yeah, like, she's hobbling, pretty much. She's hopping. And then she was getting enraged by what Tom said. I felt like she showed a little ounce of sympathy for the girl, but at the same time, she was just very uncomfortable and was trying to, you know, pay as little money as possible. I still think she's more manipulative than emotional, so that didn't really change much for me on Allison. But I don't like Tom anymore. Oh, and the feeling is mutual. Oh, Sam. Young, kind Sam. I can't believe you bought it. That was manipulation. That was lies. That was deceit. None of that say, was true. I didn't buy it. I'm but just you saying. said I, I could see she's a nice person. No, no she no. is a graduate no, no. from the Madeline School <laughs> of Manipulation and Deception. Can I just say... That is Madeline Jr. I agree with you. I didn't say she had a huge bucket full of tears and rainbows and but cookies. She's such a nice lady and caring and... No. She has... Like the smallest sliver of sympathy because she's imagining herself losing that foot. Yeah, like she's no, I don't think she had her any own sympathy. foot being gone, and that's why she's upset because zero sympathy. I didn't see it. I was like, "Use lion, use a liar." Her husband's hot though. <laughs> oh, but because that definitely just makes everything so much better, Jess. It does. Though. We'll take. I was about to say we'll take that as a yes. So on that note, we kind of jump a little forward and we kind of see our favorite freaking cat lady show up to the police station. And Poppy, why don't you give me a little bit of the rundown of this wonderful interaction of this freaking cat lady with Brady? Well, Phyllis is there because she has an appointment, y'all. Apparently. I got an appointment. Apparently, the previous night, you know, when she made the big scene about her kitty cat getting the tail chopped off, Cutter, being the lovely and uh, kind woman that she is, decided to give Phyllis a appointment, an appointment with Brady, without Brady knowing. And so Brady has to sit there with Phyllis, and Phyllis is like... You know, you know, strange stuff is going on, and my cat, and I, you know, here's my other cat, Toblerone, and they try to kill him too. And so she's explaining, you know, while she's going through her um, little pussycat books and, and, and photo albums and whatever the hell she's got, that uh, back in 1999, uh, that uh, Gunther, like, nearly ran over Toblerone. I love how she names her cats candies and sweets. 
and uh, so then he crashed his bicycle and uh, he was in the hospital for all this time and yada 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 and cutter's listening in and and cutter's kind of like putting two and two together and so she interrupts and uh and uh, phyllis is like you know i haven't even told you about all the other crazy shit that's going on my dentures are missing and uh cutter's like you know we'll handle that another time and so once she's alone with brady she's like if what this lady is saying is true you know we need to head to this hospital and we need to confirm this because if this is the case then gunther can't possibly be sbk which is something that samantha brought up earlier in this broadcast (gasps) that is called foreshadowing poppy chulo well that's because you're a special agent sam hoover Dana Scully incarnate. <laughs> and speaking of really awkward interactions, we kind of see Cam just there at Sophie's residence. You know, just there, kind of just being Cam, doing what Cam things do. And we kind of notice that a, that a gentleman comes in. Well, we really wouldn't call him a gentleman, but we can see this guy kind of come in and makes uh, a pretty much makes apparent that well sophie owes him you know four grand you know for the stuff that he's been provided and cam says you know four grand like really and and he basically just asks him, oh well then do you have four grand and he looks kind of innocent and says well no not on me i don't have four grand and he basically just punches him kicks him tells him you know tell sophie to come by and drop the four grand by tomorrow and you kind of just see cam there on the ground you know oh like bruised up and everything so there in that interaction you see that sophie kind of got herself in a really bad situation where she owes money for the drugs that she has so brings up uh what jess what you had mentioned in regards to sophie being this really bad person specifically for cam how she keeps doing these things that unfortunately aren't always the best things. So in that instant, Jess, if you were in Cam's situation, would you have tried to handle the situation differently or like would you have confronted also Sophie about it or would you kind of just leave her out in the dust? Like if you were in Cam's position. If I were Cam, if Cam was me, if we shared a bond If I was Cam, if Cam was me. God, it sounded like a poem. <laughs> I would pack a bag, change my name and fucking run. So you would kind of just leave her on the dust and say, later, I'm out of here. Yeah, fuck that bitch. She doesn't deserve my loyalty. Especially not after what happens later. Ooh. And I think I'm that's definitely, foreshadowing. Yeah, I think it's another foreshadowing. And I'm definitely going to go back to Jess on that one. Yes, please do. I actually have a small essay written. Definitely keep that in mind. So now we see this little team up as we move on a little bit further into the episode we see this little team up with allison and mayor Connolly, and they both are in the same predicament where they're both going to have to deal with this individual who's willing to pretty much take everybody to court get as much money as she can make life a living hell for them and she decides to say you know what why don't we team up we're both in the shits and if i go down you definitely are going to go down as well, which is something that Allison brought up. And in that instant, we kind of see more or less a little bit of Madeline inside of Allison, where 
she goes around and says, you know what? If I go down, you sure as hell are going to go down with me. So you really don't have a choice where you kind of need to team up with me, even though for sure you don't want to team up with me. And I definitely don't want to team up with you, but it would be in our best interest to work together and try to figure out some sort of solution to this problem. So as we move on a little bit further past that, we see Sophie and Cam again, kind of just talking about the little incident that Cam had and says, you know, $4,000, like, really? And you see him, he's kind of upset and says, you know, why, where are you going to get 4000 in one day? And she says, you know, don't worry about it. Let me take care of it. I'll find a way. Did it go through y'all's minds that she was talking about sex? Do you feel no. like that, that do you feel like that that was what she was going to what she was alluding to or do you actually or do you guys think that she was actually going to get the $4,000 but she was going to get it in a not so legal way? Yes to and, the second part. So you feel like she was going to do it illegally? Yeah, and I felt like she was going to do something illegal to get the money and that everything would be fine. What doesn't she do illegally though? Oh, breathe, I guess. That's the only thing. Stolen air, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the, I'm uh, Cam offers because he's loaded. And I don't know why she didn't ask him. I mean, he's loaded. Well, he's not loaded, but his family's loaded. Yeah, I was kind of I was kind of interested why she didn't kind of just bring up the question that, "Hey, you know, what about you? Maybe you could yeah. help me." Why he didn't offer from the, from out the gate, you know? So, speaking of little bit of not necessarily confrontation, but trying to understand what's happening we move on a little bit further and we see tessa waiting by the stairs and enters in her mom and her mom's saying you know why are you sitting at the stairs and they have this little mother daughter talk and tessa brings up a point where you know i'm not sure if i even want to have a child i don't even know if i even want to have a family with brady because of this little incident that happened the fact that she herself feels betrayed and she states you know i'm not i'm not sure and madeline brings up this point well about wanting her to provide a grandchild for her but she says it in a way where she mentions about each of the grandchildren and she says you know like i'll use jack as an example she states that jack himself is quote interesting you know he's an interesting person and she says you know I definitely would want a little you. So she definitely grants us this idea that she definitely sees good qualities in Tessa that she would like to have in her grandchild, which her future grandchild that she hopes that Tessa would provide. Do you guys feel like that Madeline has some sort of a preference towards her children? Do you feel like right there in that scene, do you guys feel like she... Not necessarily coddle Tessa, but she kind of provides a more motherly interaction with her versus her other children. Or do you feel like it's kind of like on equal terms? It's just produced in a different way. I think Madeline prefers the two girls over the two boys. Garrett is a given. She's just so estranged with him. Cam is kind of like the same, but, you know, he stayed. So it's like, that's how it's different. Allison and Madeline had that bond in the beginning. You can't tell Brady nothing. Tessa and her, I feel like their relationship is kind of odd. Like that was a cool and cute moment, but 
I've never seen them do that before and I didn't think they had the capacity, especially Madeline. I do think she does prefer Tessa and Allison over Cam and Garrett, but I also think that was partly to kind of ensure that she gets a normal grandchild. Please do that for me because I'm not sure what Allison's situation is. You know, maybe she is, I don't know. Maybe Allison confides in Madeline more than we see. Good luck with Garrett, like I don't think I'm getting any kids out of him. Cam, oh you my. Know, first try wasn't so great, so I'm not gonna get my hopes up. So I don't know, I think that was kind of just, you know, yes, you know, don't have cold feet, but also continue my family legacy through normal means. Poppy, was there anything you wanted to add to that? It was all suspicious. That's all I can say. It was very suspicious and and it was interesting. I, I liked the conversation. I, I don't want to say anything else because it's going to lead into my prediction as to who the SBK is. So I'll uh, put a little bookmark on this conversation because it leads me to believe certain things. And that's all I'll say. Oh, okay. Jumping into another physical interaction, we kind of see Garrett at the bar, you know, drinking a little bit. And we notice that he sees the woman who had who had treated her, who had uh, treated out his wound that he had in the previous episode. So we kind of just see that he kind of just goes with it, kind of starts something with her, you know, picking up the leg and everything. So... Woo! So that will lead into the end of the episode that we'll go ahead and discuss a little bit further. But as we jump forward, uh, Poppy, you actually made a comment about Garrett and Cam where Garrett shows this brotherly interaction where he helps Cam in his time of need and, you know, his situation where he needs the money to help Sophie and Cam confines in him and Garrett actually you know is curious as to what happened to Cam because we see that he has you know the bruise on his face and what's visible and Garrett asks you know what is it that you or you know what happened or you know how'd you get that and we notice that Madeline comes in and Garrett and Cam you know before Madeline comes in Cam says you know I have no idea how I'm gonna spin this to mom but uh, I'm kind of just gonna go with something and you know 30 40 percent chance she's gonna you know go she's gonna believe it so but we'll see what happens so before cam can move further on with his plan just trying to get a little bit more money we see garrett's just plan flat out ask madeline yeah mom i need four thousand dollars and you kind of just see madeline like uh excuse me and we kind of just see you know garrett getting the money so as it moves a little bit further, uh, she he says, you know, oh, I would want it in cash. So Madeline, you know, goes, you know, decides to give him the cash. And she asks, well, can you at least tell me what it's for? And then Garrett says, well, it's for camp. So he just gives it straight up to camp. Do you guys feel like another scene where it tries showcasing another sibling, another side to them that you don't normally would see where... In Garrett's case, it's showing that he still has that older brother sense, you know, trying to help out a younger sibling. Do you guys feel like that that was a part, uh, it's a part of his character, knowing that he actually may actually, that he may actually have a heart of gold? Or do you guys feel like, well, no, it was just one 
a one-time thing. He he'll he'll only do it for Tessa. He won't really do it for Allison or Cam again. I have always liked Garrett because he did seem suspicious, and that was like what everyone wanted you to think right off the bat. And I knew that was a red herring only because he just looks too much like the part. He can't be the part. And now that I see that he has a relationship with Cam, why else would he get $4,000 from his mother and just do that? If it was the other case, then he wouldn't help him. He'd be like, oh, screw off, druggie. Like, I don't want to help you. I think it just kind of solidified for me that Garrett and Cam are both in the clear. Madeline just doesn't... I don't know. She, I don't think she seems like the one to just give up money so easily, even though she has so much of it. Oh, actually... I did like when Garrett said, you know, give me that money that was, you know, in uh, Mitch's will for me. The face that she made, <laughs> that was wonderful. Uh, I just wanted to point that out. I but, agree. Yeah. I thought it was a wonderful yeah. little thing that he said. I thought that was great. Yeah, that was that was my favorite line of the episode by far. Garrett did have a relationship with all of the siblings before he left. And he comes back now, 14 years later. It's going to be very distant, but he... The more time he spends with them, the more he's going to get accustomed to how it used to be, which is going to bring out both good and bad qualities. But yeah, going back to your original point, I do think that he did want to help Cam just to help him. I didn't think he was just doing it to look good. Bobby, was there something you wanted to add? You know, I feel like Garrett is just a nice person. I have my own suspicious feelings as to why he's very nice and protective of Tessa. And, um, yeah, I feel like much to what Sam said, he was like the one that we were all going to be suspicious about in the beginning because he had been gone for all this time. He looks like he's a psychopath, but, um, if he shaves, then maybe he'll look more normal and, uh, we won't be as suspicious of him. But I, I think he was like the classic red herring and he's turning out to be completely opposite of what we all assumed he was going to be. Which I like, because I like Garrett. He's the only normal one in the family. Yeah, I'll give you that. Even though he looks like Grizzly Adams. Jumping onto another scene, we see Mayor Connolly and Allison deciding to go with a plan in motion. And we don't know what the plan is yet. And they decide to go again, tell this woman, you know what? The offer's at a million. Because it's, you know, we feel, again, we feel sorry for you, but... You know, we're willing to give you a million if you drop, you know, the lawsuit. And the woman says, you know, nope, um, I can imagine uh, what the jurors are going to find, you know, once I give them, you know, the everything that happened in my traumatic experience. And we notice that Madeline has a recording of this woman drunk out of her ass. Oh, yeah, Allison. We see Allison. Margaret. Uh-huh, Margaret. So we see Allison showcasing the person that's trying to do this lawsuit. She is drunk out of her ass. She's completely wasted, inebriated, everything you can imagine. And it was apparently she was on probation at the time. And Mayor Connolly says, well, you know, if you were to go with the go ahead and follow through with the lawsuit, we'll just go ahead and release out the tape and you will go more than likely go to jail and you know and mayor Conley kind of makes a really rude remark and says you know it's already bad for people with two feet there i clapped 
I, I clapped too because that was I, I I I like clapped and then I felt bad for doing it, so I kind of did like a soft clap. Like you get your three fingers and you clap on the bottom part of your palm. I'm like can't hear me, so maybe I'm not that bad of a person, but I still think it's funny as all hell. So I kind of did that in the wake of everything. And go. Oh hell no. Oh hell no. I would say no. If I was that woman, you don't take that offer. Like, sure, you might go to jail, but when you get out of jail, you'll have $15 million. Assuming you make it out of jail. Well, who's going to, like, attack her? She's, like, this tiny little lady. Doesn't matter. No, I would not have... I would have been like, fuck y'all. No, no, no. What I would have done is I would have been like, you know what? Let me think about this. And I would have left, and I would have met with them the next day, and I would have a recording device on me, and I would hear them trying to blackmail me into dropping the lawsuit i'd have that recording and then i could use that against them and i'd still have my 15 million dollars bam that's how you do it right sam hoover oh yeah problem with that is that they would still want the videotape of her being inebriated during the time of her supposed probation so she could do a little time you'll still have 15 million dollars I mean, settle, not necessarily a guarantee that she'll get the $15 million, but Time is Will it be more than a million? Maybe because the thought of prison, jail, however you want to categorize Orange is the new black, baby. Oh, God. Yeah, with her and her one foot. Yeah, definitely. She can make some friends. And I'm sure you they are would horrible. love to lick the, lick the stub. You are horrible. And speaking of horrible situations... We notice that uh, Brady comes to find out that uh, Detective Cutter tells him that I didn't know your uh, I didn't know Tessa was Hispanic, and he makes a, a face like what? And they notice that the DNA that was found was from a Hispanic woman, and she says, and he's and he's confused and doesn't know what's going on and detective cutter says you know i need to i need to report this and brady says you know no let me handle it let me see if i can figure out what's going on and detective cutter says you know well you know 30 minutes you know and that's all i'm going to give you so we know that's the amount of time it'll take for her to readjust the stick up her ass shots freaking fired and so much tension and build-up and then Going on to that next scene, which getting closer to Jess's miniature monologue, if you, if I will say so myself, we see that Cam decides to go and deliver the money and to pay off Sophie's debt. Hopefully everything goes, goes bye-bye and there's no more worries and everything. And he goes there and he's, as he's about to say, you know, here's the money. And the guy says, well, you know, I don't need it. And Cam is like, why, why don't you, you need it? And that's when all hell breaks loose and you see this other side of Cam just gets a metal pipe and Your just... girl took some dictation. Yeah, pretty much. And he just whacks him and whacks him and hits him. And you just see him walk off as if it was nothing. Like it was just second nature for him to do that. And then going on as he returns back to where Sophie was, we see this crazy 
builds up explosive reaction and he says you know how could you do this and before i go further i will actually like jess to have the floor please explain to us what happened in that scene what the hell sophie my god what is wrong with you just because you owe someone money doesn't mean that it's free time for your cooch okay i'm sorry like she is just so wrong in all ways i just i cannot stand her as a character as a person like can't hashtag party in the cooch went out of his way to try and help her to get her out of this problem so after all of that that she was trying to like convince Cam that they should be together. They needed to be together for Jack's sake. Like they needed to be a nuclear family. And then she goes ahead and sleeps with some slime ball that she owes money. Like what part of that is conducive to this little fantasy that she has in her head. And Cam obviously was trying to be the honorable one. He was trying to do the right thing by her and get that money And, like, for me, it was just, like, I was just so angry at her. And, like, I can't even understand why, because it's not like I I like Cam, but when he was, you know, freaking out at her, justifiably so, I would say, when he was freaking out, when he finally exploded and got all of that stuff off of his chest about how, like, None of this is normal, and Jack is a complete mess of a child, and, like, he's not normal. Like, I felt like he was actually facing those issues for the first time. Unfortunately, Sophie's sloppy-ass behavior made him kind of have to pull up short and look at his life and be like, wow, this really, really sucks. Can I have a do-over, please? Like, oh my god, I was so mad at her. So when she, like, I I wanted him to be like, get out, I never want to see you again. Like, I don't even want you having any contact with Jack, because I really don't feel like Sophie is a good influence on either of them. And I don't feel like she would actually help Jack in his current state. Like, I don't know if he can be helped as a, as a person, like... I honestly think he's a, he's a budding psychopath, and I don't know if there's any sort of cure or way to help that, but I definitely think that Sophie being in his life will only make those tendencies worse. And I, I actually kind of felt bad for Cam, because again, like, I feel like those are the first time, that was the first time that he'd ever been like, Okay, my son is not normal. He's putting stolen dentures in a disemboweled puppet and cutting off animal tails. Like, how did I get myself into this mess? And when can I go home to my parents? Like, he just sounded like so broken and defeated. And I wanted to be like, I wanted to push Sophie in front of an oncoming bus, you know, like Regina George and Mean Girls. Of course, that's not going to happen. But like, wow. She is a terrible character. I was absolutely upset with her. I'm like, really? Why can't you give Cam, like, I don't even think she waited for a day before, like, taking her clothes off for that slime ball. I don't think that, as much as she says she wants a certain thing, I don't think that she actually wants it. I think she just likes the idea of having this, quote, normal family. I don't think that, you know... She actually wants it because that would mean that she would have to, 
shed her skin and leave that part of her, the irresponsible, drug-using, you know, sleeping around with someone that is not her chosen partner, that would mean that she would have to leave all of that behind. And so in a sense, she would be giving up her freedom, even though she claims that's what she wants. So for me, it's like she's kind of forcing Cam into a trap, and I'm glad that he, you know, actually had the guts to stand up and say, like, no, this isn't what I want, and our entire relationship is screwed up, like, the dynamic is horrible, and our son, by the way, is just not, not normal. Like, and if you think that his behavior is normal, and if you think that he's just like us and he's troubled, he's definitely not. And there's something deeper going on there, and you need to check yourself at the door because your denial is so big that it could, in fact, be a river in Egypt. I totally agree with everything that Jess just said, but I want to go back to Cam and what Jess said about him beating up that guy with that metal pole and then walking away like it was nothing. Because he's done this before. Dun-dun-dun! Yeah! Do you feel like it was the it was just an impulse from him? It was something that's a part of him, or do you feel like it was the effect of him sleeping with Sophie? I think it was both plus the heroine. If he had never done that before, I I don't think he would have been able to just so freely pick up this pole and just beat this guy to pieces and then just walk away. But that doesn't mean I think Kim is guilty of the whole thing. He's not the killer, but he has done this before. And we see kind of like a similar type outburst, but maybe not to, one can argue, maybe not to the extreme of Cam and Sophie's. We see that Tessa is now in a good mood and she's like, oh, I've decided to make lasagna. And the first thing that Brady says, you know, did you change? Did you leave planted evidence on the hairbrush? And he says, you know, why did you lie to me? Why did you do that? And we see Tessa trying to say, well, I was testing you. You know, I told you that my family did not want to be a part of it. And she and she pleads her case that her family didn't want to be a part of it. And she decided to test out Brady to see if he would actually test the evidence or not. And Brady says, you know, I'm helping you and I am trying to get, you know, I'm on your side. I'm trying to make sure that if you guys are not it, then I'm trying I'm trying to be helpful to you guys. And he makes this statement and he says, you know, if it's Garrett, if it's Cam, if it's whoever, I'm going to take them down. I'm going to find who the Silver Bells killer is. And he makes the point that what I did was not illegal. I did it through the law where I'm able to get evidence from my own home. And you, on the other hand, planted evidence that's which is illegal and you're not supposed to do that so after this eruption that they have together do you guys feel like tessa was on the right or do you feel like brady was on the right or would you guys have handled it a different way oh gosh that was such a sad scene to watch because you could tell as i said already like that he's like wanting to be there for his wife and his wife is pushing him away and uh i mean it's true what he said i mean he although lied about what he did or he didn't tell her what um 
he was going to do, he's on the right side of the law. What she did was completely illegal, was trying to derail an active criminal investigation, and she could go to jail for that, because that's obstruction of justice. So, I mean, she wasn't thinking clearly, obviously, and she didn't think about what her action was going to lead to and it was just it was a mess of a scene i felt bad for brady i felt a little bit of bad for tessa because i kind of get where she's coming from even though in my opinion she's a hundred percent in the wrong and um brady before you slam the door you should have taken that lasagna with you i'm just saying because it could have been good i don't know if she knows how to cook but, but I'm, I'm hoping to- she does but adding to that, uh, just like maybe to give it a little bit more thought, would it? Would you guys agree that it kind of actually reveals that Tessa is probably the most manipulative Hawthorne? Would you guys agree to that statement, or would you disagree with that statement? That's the first thing I want to ask. Disagree. You disagree? Yes. Okay. Although Why? She, although she is here for herself right now and not her marriage and not her husband doing his job she is only trying to cover for her family because that's all she knows how to do i i think all of the kids had a different role in the killings somehow Mm. and it's a family affair like that's what they're trying to get at here and you know my gosh it's a family of serial killers yeah wow (laughs) but then trying to piggyback off of what you're saying, at least with Madeline, you know that she's sneaky. You, yes. you already were presented with that. Tessa, on the other hand, already gives us the central message that it's the nice ones that you actually have to watch out for. Because she confessed to Brady that it was actually a test of love. It's a, technically a disturbing type of test of love. Whatever, and lady. She says Don't that, try to justify it all you want. That was shady he, shit. Yeah, it was. And she says, you know, well, you fail miserably. And, you know, one can say, well, that Tessa, you know, would honestly be uncomfortable, you know, about her husband investigating her family. But don't you think it's a little odd or a little crazy how much planning it would actually take for her to know that he was going to take the DNA and to try to and basically Mm -hmm. trick him and basically taking someone else so that way her family stays intact yeah. so with madeline you kind of already know you you know what you've got she's not she, she kind of already has the attitude and the personality that would coincide with how she is as an individual tessa on the other hand you see where she has her tendencies to coddle cam or have this brotherly sisterly interaction with garrett but the fact that she you know came up with this really elaborate plan to cover the tracks pretty much to showcase you know oh it's another dna that kind of throws in a question of how tessa is or maybe some stuff that may have happened in an earlier in the past or something so it's a food for thought yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying. And the thing that's sad, or the, the, the thing that's the most sad about everything is how untrusting she is of her husband. Because, right. like, you would think that a person 
who would be in that type of situation would confide in their spouse and be like, okay, here's what's going on. I have to tell you this. I know it sounds suspicious, but, but I don't, you know, it's not this way, you know, please, you know, help us out. Something like that. You have somebody that's on the inside and technically he got that job because of the Hawthorne connection. So you would think that he would feel a little bit indebted to like the family to help them out. You know what I'm saying? Like you would think that in her mind, she would be like, he's on our side, but like she sees him as the enemy. And so does the rest of the family. Like it's kind of sad in a sense. Then moving on to the very, very last scene. We see, you know, Garrett deciding to go over to his little lady friend, you know, with Christina, you know, doing the hanky panky, as Brittany's mom would say. <laughs> and I had a feeling oh Jess would have laughed at that. So we see that, you know, Christina's undressing and there's, you know, music being played in the background and the imagery and the atmosphere is real, you know, supposed to be sweet and sexual and everything. We notice that Garrett decides to take off his shirt and he un, uh, removes the belt from his pants. And we notice that he holds on to the belt and the camera zooms in on him holding the belt and then it switches to his face and he looks down and then he just slowly looks up and just gives this type of glance, glare to Christina who has her back t- turned to him. Do you... Do you guys feel like that that was foreshadowing something, that something's going to happen? Or do you guys feel like, no, it was a failed attempt at providing this cliffhanger. It wasn't something that was definitely going to stick. Bingo. I agree. On the second part. Yeah, I I mean, Garrett is like a puppy dog, in my opinion. And... It was kind of weird, though, because, like, that whole scene, like, she's obviously ready to um, do, you know, I was was trying to come up with, like, a a dirty euphemism, but I decided not to do it. But, you know, she's ready to, like, hop on his log, basically. Like, she is good to go like you know she she went and got the brazilian she made sure that her legs are shaved you know she put extra cologne in places where she's supposed to put it like she is ready to do it and like he's all looking all menacing and weird and creepy and shit like that was just so weird like the whole scene was off because like she's doing all sexy striptease she was like i watched demi Moore last night let let me remember the moves from the movie and i'm like how is he not into it so that that was just weird but i feel like it was a total red herring like he's not gonna do anything like they're gonna get their they're gonna get their f-u-c-k on so two things the way he had the belt wrapped around his hand one and two this is going to conflict number one the way his face kind of shuddered that gave it away to me that garrett was not going to hurt her cam's good with the pole garrett's good with the belt oh my god cam's good with the pole okay (laughs) cam is good with beating people (laughs) with the pole correction i know it sounded dirty but that was never my intention Mm. but i i promise my mama raised me wholesome. But yeah. She's saying you weren't raised wholesome. Totally not, but I'll take it. Neither was Jess, so we're, I'm in good company. What? Um, Jess, I wasn't you... allowed to watch Titanic until I was 19. So... 
I just turned 20. <laughs> Jess, can you Have draw you me? seen Titanic? No. I refuse to watch it, though. Jess, can you draw me like you draw your French girls? I can draw stick figures. Yes! No, that was from Titanic. I know, but I can't draw French anything. So, there is no doubt in my mind that Madeline put Garrett up to doing something with a belt, because you don't just take off your belt and do that. He looked scared. Because her father died by belts. You know, he took off the belt. Yes. And then he, he was like, looked down and he's like, oh no, like, her dad died because of a belt. You know, oh, that makes me sad. Now I don't have a boner. Like, I agree with what Poppy Chilo is saying, but I really think he was trying to resist what he was about to do. He's trying to break free. Hmm. Can I give two Why? shout outs? For sure. like two things that we really didn't get a chance to talk about. Can I just say I love me some Dana. DNA. Dana. Who wants a boat. I am like really loving Dana. She's like tied up there with Phyllis in my opinion. In like scene stealers. And I also liked that um, Allison's husband found uh, Naomi's uh, whatever the hell that was. <laughs> oh yeah that was fun i liked it he's a freaky deaky little girl. yes and oh he was God. like so you were with her in our bed and like we didn't know like where this was gonna go but then he was like tell me all about it baby and uh, like I they like whoa that, I they had some 50 shades of hey it was a cool twist i liked it because like I, yeah this actually makes me think that maybe she does have feelings but then she gets caught by, I don't know who that was, at the end. Uh, I want to say... You know what, I'm not even gonna try. My visual spatial issues make that impossible. Yeah, but I, I wasn't see sure Tess. who... Yeah, I thought it was Tessa too, but I'm not sure. She had red hair. That's all was I said. It was Sam. Was it was me, guys. I was in Toronto one day when they were filming, it was me, like... <laughs> Did you kidnap Jack? No, I would never go near that child and on that note we're gonna go ahead and rate the episode from one to ten silver bells so i'll go ahead and start off with jess you had to rate the episode from one to ten silver bells what would you give it three silver bells oh <gasps> ling, yes. ling. three silver bells okay silver bells. Uh, can you give us a quick reason as to why three silver bells i wasn't impressed with it this week honestly like it's been a pretty cool ride so far but this week was just like meh, 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 meh. get over it get over it like the thing that i was most shocked by i think was allison's husband being into you know her side piece her sex life with her side piece Ooh, like jess i knew you had it in you that was that was the most interesting thing, but the rest of it was just kind of like, like just not enough to hold my attention. But also, this is gonna come out really mean. I think if this was airing like during the time when the normal shows air, and it was not a summer show, it wouldn't survive. And I see. No, you mean definitely entitled to your opinion. I definitely see where you're coming with this. And on that note, Poppy, if you had to give it from 1 to 10 silver bells, what would you give it? And why? 
Well, the exchange rate has bumped it up from the very low score Jess gave. I gave it a solid eight. It's a, it, it was good. I mean, I think if I'm remembering correctly, it's, it's lower than what I gave last week, but it was still a solid outing. I wasn't bored by it. I was entertained. I liked the twists and the turns. I liked that much like what Sam said, this episode really allowed all of our main characters at least all our main characters that are last named Hawthorne to seem extra hella suspicious and as if they could be the killer. So I liked that. And uh, I loved all the freaky dicky sex stuff minus uh, Cam and Sophie's uh, disgusting sex on the floor. Okay. And Sam, what would you give it on a rate of one to 10 silver bells and why? I will rate it 8.5 out of 10 silver bells. Like Poppy said, all of the characters, not just Hawthorns, but all of them, even Phyllis, are very <sighs> extra suspicious. As she said to Brady, you are supposed to protect and serve. You're doing neither for me. So on that note, every character trope was kind of blown wide open a little bit more. It just seems very evident to me that all of these kids are scarred because they're just so in the dark trying to hide everything but yeah overall 8.5 out of 10 is what i'm going to give this episode and i think for me if i had to rate it from the 1 to 10 silver bells i probably would give it a 7.5 i think the episode was pretty was pretty good i did like the little confrontations that were shown especially with cam and sophie like finally cam sort of blew up and basically showcases that whether Jack is there or not, they are just as screwed up any given time when they're together. And the fact that you see the little different sides of the children and what they are capable of. And it really just brings together the drama. And to me, I felt like it really did perpetuate the plot further. And I feel like now it's starting to come full circle as to maybe who are the potential suspects so i really did like the episode although i will say the cliffhanger was kind of eh like like it was okay it could have been better but at least it could have been worse so i think with that i probably would give it around a 7.5 so now we're gonna make our predictions so who do you guys think is a silver bells killer and i'll start with poppy you know, I'm sticking to the same person that I've been stuck on since episode two. I, I'm wanting to change it, though, because I, I just don't want to keep on saying the same person. But it's like everything that I see in the episode leads me to believe that it is Tessa. Tessa, Tessa is the Silver Bells killer. I have a feeling that she might have an accomplice, but we have no proof that the Silver Bells killer had an accomplice. But if she did, it's one of the parents, whether it's uh, Mitch, rest in peace, Mitch, or it's Madeline. I feel like it's Tessa with the help of someone else because she would have been young, but I have a feeling, and I know I've said this before and I'm going to say it again, the reason why we have this character of Jack on the show is to show us that some, there's something in the Hawthorne genes that uh, has like 
you know, psychosis is like running through the blood or something like that. And uh, Jack is there to show us that a little kid can be very dangerous and can potentially be the SBK. I have a feeling that Garrett knows a whole lot. And uh, maybe that's the reason why he's trying to console Christina you know and and uh that's why he's maybe protective of tessa because he might know of her involvement uh i like that whole speech with madeline to tessa you know about how she admired her dad and and that kind of thing was very weird and suspect as well um madeline you know urging her to have kids uh, it was very suspect as well. It was, it's just everything for me so far points to Tessa. I could be totally wrong. And I'll eat my words when we find out the truth if I was wrong. But I don't know. It's just something about it makes me feel that it's Tessa. They keep on sort of like pointing to all the boys. Like, oh, Garrett's suspicious. Oh, you know, Cam, he talked about a body and he's... A you know, a drug addict, and he he can he can beat someone with the pipe, but I feel like it's going to be Tessa for like all the reasons that I've listed, and probably many more in the future. So yeah, so Tessa. Mm, okay. And I feel bad for Brady because he's he well at least he was sleeping with the enemy. <laughs> Sam, who do you think is the Silver Bell's killer? Madeline, still. I think she's the one behind everything. Like I said, she's the matriarch. She knows all. And if you think otherwise, you are kidding yourself. You know, it's very hard to tell who exactly it is, but she's just too good at hiding how scared she is, if she is at all. I still have to watch Madeline. Something's not right there. Jess... Who do you think is a Silver Bell's killer? Phyllis. No, I'm just kidding. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> but it would be funny if she was. Because, like, why is she always alone? Why can only her cats tolerate her company? Why is she desperate for attention that she never gets? But I really don't think it's her. But, like, it would be a cool twist if she was. Um, I hate to piggyback off of Sam's theory, but the more she talks about it, the more I'm like, yeah, that, that makes sense. Like she, yes. Madeline fucked up all her children and now they're all irreversibly screwed. And you know what? This entire family just should stop breeding. Just, just don't do it. It's too far I, up in the bloodline. Like, I feel like, um, I, I don't know if, if Jack was born the way he is, but like, if Madeline has been exposing them all to, you know, that kind of activity since they were young, Cam doesn't know any other way to be other than the way that he was raised. So it would make sense that because doesn't didn't he have primary custody of Jack over um, Sophie? Oh, my God. I wanted to call her Trash Basket for a minute, but that's not her name. Wow, I'm a terrible person. Um, yes. Yeah. I think she but did. I think he did, yeah. He did. So, like, and, like, one of you pointed it out earlier in the episode. I'm not sure who it was, so please jump in there with me. But um, 
when someone said, like, Tessa is protecting her family because that's all that she knows, literally, they're doing what they can because it's all that they know how to survive and how to cope and how to get through things. I think Garrett is the only one who's kind of realized that what his family has done, potentially what he's done, is not okay. And I think what we saw was him battling his demons. Or maybe he has, you know, a weird fetish, but I hope not because that would be really traumatic for his doctor lady friend. He was the smart one. He got yeah. the heck out of there when Honestly, no one was getting really bad and everyone like, I want to I want to give him like a foam finger and a piece of cake and be like you go Garrett. You fucking go. Seriously, get out of here. I guess for me if I had to think who the Silver Bells killer is, ooh. I don't think it's Tessa. I feel like she's too she was too young when everything happened, <laughs> but I guess you could simply say, well, she had help with somebody. You know, somebody was with her when all of this was happening. And I feel like it's too... I feel... I would like to think it's, it would be too obvious it, too obvious if it was Cam. But I guess it would be pretty interesting, like a little twist. I feel like if it was Mayor Connolly, the fact that his former job was a safety inspector on the bridge would potentially put him in the position for him to actually dump the belt. So I I would like to think maybe it'd be a twist and maybe it might be Mayor Connolly and nobody sees it coming. But I guess if I had to like really just put one down like for sure, I, I want to say it's uh, Madeline. Because I feel like, again, she, from what we're seeing, she's the master of manipulation. She handles tough situations with such finesse and with her own sense of grace that she feels like she's unfazed by the repercussions of the decisions that she makes. So I guess I, if I had to definitely choose one, I definitely would have to go with Madeline. And with that being said, join us next time for a brand new installment of the Silver Bells Murders. Visit pompichuloradio.com slash archives to download this episode and many more. Registered users will gain access to all of our archives of previously aired broadcasts. You can also download tonight's broadcast through iTunes. Just search for The Silver Bells Murders and subscribe. Please like Poppy Chulo Radio on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash poppychuloradio. Follow the show on Tumblr on thesilverbellsmurders.tumblr.com. You can even help support Poppy Chulo Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychuloradio. Email us via contact at poppychuloradio.com with any questions, suggestions, comments, or maybe even concerns. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chulo Radio team as an on-air personality or maybe even a blog contributor? Email talent at poppychuloradio.com. Co-hosts, wish all of our lovely listeners a happy night. Good night, listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Silver Bells Killer, we're going to find you. And uh, we love you, Phyllis. We'll be over for brunch tomorrow. Good night, lovely listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoyed our chat, and we'll see you next week. Good night, everybody. Sweet dreams. 
<laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for a brand new installment of the Silver Bells Murders. Good night, everyone. Thank you.